Welcome to the Fish Nerds. I'm Clay Grove, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast. And I'm Kristen, wife of the Chief Executive Fish Nerd. Which makes you the Chief Executive. Dot, dot, dot. Everything. I yeah, I think I'm whatever <laughs> is um, one higher. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast where we talk about fish, fishing, and eating fish. Anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that you're gonna fall into fishy love after hearing this episode. That sounds great. It's like regular love, but really smelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so we've been married for a long time, right? Yeah, a while. Yeah, like somewhere near what. 11, 12 years? I don't know. Somewhere in that range. Five years, Five 15, year. 20, I'm not sure. Somewhere in that range. Um, and, and we we have started communicating solely through podcasts. Like if I'm uh, if I'm trying to tell you something important, I might send you an episode of This American Life. Right. And what would you send me? What podcast? Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. I, I don't That's know. perfect. Like it's like, shut up, Clay. <laughs> And then and then maybe I'll play ask another, ask me another to you and then maybe Radio Lab. Anyway, uh, we've been communicating only through podcasts for the last five years, and it's been really good for our relationship. It's really perfect. Yeah. And, and I got a phone call from one of our listeners' wives this week, and she said, "Wait, wives? 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 When what what what's, what is the um if you're gonna use the the, the possessive noun wife?" If I say one of our listeners' wives... Right, because you wouldn't say wives listener. because this pr- person presumably only has one. Right, but I don't want to judge. It's possible he's Mormon uh, and he has sister wives. Mm. Right. Like, yeah. So he, let's rephrase. So I got a phone call from a listener's wife. How about the wife of a listener? Right, because then he's not owning. There's still ownership. Mm. Mm. The spouse, mm. still ownership. Hmm. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, anyway, this is this message goes out to Reed Sutter. Turn your ears up. Your wife called me and she said the only way to communicate to you is through the Fish Nerds podcast, the only place you get your news. Here's a message from your wife. Hi, Dad. Thanks for catching Mom 15 years ago and having us minnows. Hi, Reed. I love you. Thank you for being the best husband ever. Happy Happy anniversary! (laughs) Well, I hope you like that, Reed. Happy 15th anniversary. (laughs) You're you're lucky to have a a wife who's paying attention to your podcasting needs. (laughs) And uh, you can thank your wife for paying the fee to get that message on the podcast. And if you want to get your message on the podcast, I'm just kidding. I didn't really charge her. There was no fee. Maybe you should start charging a fee. I should. I should. But hey, listen. Go ahead. No. You took a big breath. I was I was just going to say that the fees you get when spouses are, you know, asking you to read messages for their significant others, you could use to buy something for your spouse. Well, funny you should say that. I, I bought you a beer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so... But read happy fifteenth uh, anniversary, uh, and I've got a, a little fishy song for you and your family. Here it is. Once upon a time, a little boy was going fishing, and he asked a little girl to go along. She said, "Wait, I run and ask my mommy." Presently, she 
me go fishing with you. Fishing with you. I asked my mommy and she said no. She said no. That ain't no place for little girls to go. Girls to go. She said she knew I'd twist and squirm the minute I saw a fishing worm. That's why. That's mama why. won't let me go fishing with you. Fishing with you. Mama told me about that. Okay, so welcome back. Tonight on the show, we've got all kinds of fun happening. Hugo is back. Have you met Hugo in person? I have met Hugo. Yeah, great guy. Uh, we, he's like a seagull. eats everything. Yeah, right? he gave my kids some really, really spicy homemade beef jerky. <laughs> he made the kids cry. <laughs> we met Hugo at a, at a uh, conference in Connecticut, I think. Right. right? So my Hugo's back with a culinary delight to tantalize your taste buds. It's terrible. <laughs> We've got, of course, fish in the news. Uh, Olaf checked in. Olaf is a friend of the podcast, and he sent me a website called archive.org, and all the music on tonight's show is from that website, of which I'm obsessed right now. And uh, so between each segment, I'll be playing songs from archive.org. And um, we have a protester protesting the podcast. I want to talk a little bit about fishy rights and animal rights people. Uh, and uh, But before I do that, I'm going to play a song for the animal rights uh, people. And this is a song called I Am a Fish, written and performed by Art Paul Schlosser. This goes out to all the fishy feel people out there. Enjoy. Oh, I got another call. Uh, Judah, three years old, and Raina, seven, and Kiwi, one, want uh, to hear a fish's song. Okay, I, I'm going to make up another fish's song. Maybe this one will be good. I don't know. Blub, uh, I'm a fish, I'm a fish, and I don't want to be eaten in a dish. I'm a fish, I'm a fish, and I see a worm on a hook, but I'm not that dumb and I'm not that stupid and I don't want to be shot with a hook like an arrow with from Cupid. I'm a fish. I'm a fish. And I don't want to be a dish. Can't you eat something like hamburger or steak or maybe potatoes and vegetables why do you have to go fishing and then catch me and cut me up Blah, 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 blah,
Okay, I got through all those. That was fun. Uh, are you having a good time? All right, yeah, now that I song made me laugh all. a lot. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's a good website. It's this a, archive.com or dot, dot .org. Dot .org. Dot .org. And anyone can put music on there. Like if you want music that people can pick up and use around, it's all like um, Creative Commons licensing, which is means I can use it on the podcast. So all this stuff is okay as long as I credit uh, which we just did. But I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, fishy rights. And it's, it's this is a funny world we live in. I have a local protester, as long-time listeners known as Kristen, you know, who likes to hassle me a lot, right? Yes. Yeah, both publicly and uh, over email. She's, she's really tough on me. She is a vegan. And just kind of get you where her brain is. By the way, vegan, very healthy lifestyle, good dietary choices. I wish I had the kind of will that a vegan have has. I just don't support the lifestyle. Like the diet, yes, lifestyle, no. I think you can be vegan without hassling other people. I've never met that vegan. Yeah. Well, you know what? Probably I have and didn't know it because they weren't they hassling. Didn't, they didn't hassle you. They weren't hassling me. I, right. I, I know vegans that you've met that have never hassled you. Really? About being, yeah. Yeah, I used to live in a house uh, called the Fight Club House when you and I first started mm-hmm. dating full of uh, vegans, but we called them freegans because they would go behind the Panera bread store at night and steal all the bread. And that's what all they had in the house was just a stacks of old loaves of Panera bread. Okay, so your uh, vision of vegans is slightly skewed. Just <laughs> that I, I don't think that's the average vegan. It's not the average one? No. Well, um, so our vegan friend up here in the Mount Washington Valley is a common protester to most establishments and most eat- meat eaters. She believes um, that killing an animal is exactly the same as killing a human being. And, and I, <clears throat> I used to kind of try to show empathy towards her. Because if you really believe that, right? If you believe that, then every day when you see someone eating a hamburger, you're seeing somebody eating a baby. And so can you imagine the trauma if you actually truly believed that eating a hamburger was the same as eating a human? What kind of trauma would you go through every single day? Like you would be constant PTSD, right? That would be pretty rough. It'd be terrible. I mean, that's like it's... It's a level where you need constant therapy to get through it. Now, her therapy, the way she tolerates, so most of us, when things are stressful, we make jokes and laugh and have fun. The way that, or we seek a therapist. The way that she deals with her issue is uh, she yells at people and tells them terrible things. Um, so <clears throat> over the summer, I did a, or actually last winter, I did a presentation at the library and on, on the library's website, she compared me to uh, a, a kidnapper and... Uh, you know, someone who who, who uh, abuses children because I kill fish. We have a big local problem. We had a, we had an issue in town. Uh, and she did that on a public website. Uh, they took it down. And then a couple nights ago, I was, at, I was at a meeting, and she was she's a videographer for the local cable access. And I was talking to someone who's making a donation to after-school programs, which I run. And she confronted me in front of that person. And I thought that was just kind of like, how do you deal with that without being rude to the person who's yelling at you? You know, when you're trying to, like, be cool, make a good impression, and they're telling you that you're a murderer. Yeah, that's hard. It's really hard. What would you do? In this situation, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I would try to be nice and say, wow, that's a really interesting thought, but I'm actually not talking to you right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll be happy to chat with you 
a little bit later, but right now I'm talking to this person about something that doesn't concern you. Yeah. Um, whether that person would hear that and go away, you know, I don't know, but that's how I would explain it to a six year old. (laughs) Um, those are the words I would use. And I, Mm -hmm. I, when I don't know what to do, I tend to resort to the language that I use when I'm talking to six-year-olds. Right. A little background. Kristen is a kindergarten and first grade teacher. And uh, often um, when I'm not doing the right thing, she'll also talk to me with those same words. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not just you. It's sort of the it's world. Just, it's just the way you communicate it's these just, days. I've been teaching for so long. That's my only way. It's, I think it's fine. Now, um, so here's what I did. I, I told her... I said, I'm not interested in talking to you right now. Well, that's a good start. Uh, and then she kept going, and I repeated myself, I'm not interested in talking to you right now. I did it three or four times uh, before the person I was talking to, and I walk, walked mm. away from her. But the hard thing was, it's you know, my bosses are in the room. There's all these kind of people in the room who I just don't want to have an argument in front of, and it's really difficult to not do that. So anyway, I wrote a letter to her boss, uh, and I felt bad right away. Yeah, I can see why you would. Yeah, but at the same time, she was so over the top, and it wasn't the first time. Well, that's at, at a certain point, you have to. You have to. Anyway, so uh, all you fishy feel people out there, uh, if there's anyone on in that group who listens to our show, which I, is highly unlikely. Although they really should be, because I think to understand something, you need to listen to all sides. You sure do, especially if there is other sides. Yeah. Um, but I actually would love to get a science person from the fish feel community on the show. There's a book uh, a book out called What Fish Feel, written by uh, that community, written by a scientist. And I've reached out to him a number of times because he's said things to me online and invited him on the show. And he, so far, he's never said yes. And I should never even answer the uh, the invite. Because it'd be interesting to get their point of view, and I would do it non-confrontational. I'd invite them on the show, let them say their piece, and then let them off the show. <laughs> That's it. Simple. So anyway, so fish feel. They're friends. Fish are friends. <laughs> not food. <laughs> and speaking of fish not being food, next up we have Killing Fish and Time with Hugo. That's Hugo a, is our fishing culinary correspondent. That's a really great segue. <laughs> anyway, this is a little segment from Hugo goes out to our friend uh, Laura, <laughs> our our little fishy protester. Hey guys, got a new recipe for us. Uh, this is one I haven't done before. Looking forward to it. So uh, in this one, we're going south, way south, not Georgia, not Alabama. We're going all the way to Brazil. And this is a uh, Brazilian fish stew. Uh, a friend of ours uh, told me to try it out. I've heard of it before. Can't believe I never tried it. So I looked it up, compared a bunch of recipes on YouTube and uh, just online, and uh, found all the common denominators. So again, this is the Brazilian fish stew called moquesa. So this is going to be fun. I figured we'd go all the way down south while I still can before the uh, great new wall of the west arises. So I'll show you guys how we're going to start this. Okay. Got fresh tomatoes, lemon, garlic, sweet bell peppers. Sorry, that's sweet bell peppers. That's the Roma tomatoes. We got onions, scallions, cilantro. That's going in 
big heavy Dutch oven that I got set. It's uh, pre-warmed already. And this is the wonderful fish that's going to go in it. So this is fresh fish. By that I mean it has never been frozen. I caught it myself out of my kayak uh, just a couple days ago. It's awesome. So I always preach about fish. It should smell like nothing. This smells like if you were standing on the beach in ocean water. Beautiful stuff. So yeah, this is the Brazilian dish uh, moquesa. You guys might in the background, I love that one about a uh, saltfish. Probably the best fish in the world, saltfish. The name of the uh, band that plays it is uh, the Mighty Sparrows. So look at that one on YouTube. Uh, saltfish by the Mighty Sparrows. Great Caribbean song about uh, the best fish in the world, in my opinion. So, oh, and a couple tricks I do. So uh, instead of using a ton of olive oil, which I do love, but. I cook my dishes with uh, an alternate and just to saute the vegetables, it's, I'm not going to lose out anything in flavor. I know this is going to come out awesome. So this is a spray made from avocado oil. Uh, so you're looking at uh, olive oil, which we know is super healthy for you. Yes, I, I, I know olive oil well. Um, shitloads of calories are definitely not that good for you. So a teaspoon, a tablespoon of olive oil has got I think 120 calories. This one, I'll spray enough to uh, cover the pan and do all these wonderful vegetables. It's 10 calories. Also, at the end, what's going to make this the stew? So we'll get all these vegetables in there. Let me start this in there, actually. This spray is actually a lot of fun to work with. So we'll start with the onions. And bell peppers. I'll do the garlic afterwards. I, I like toasty garlic, but not in this recipe. I want to keep things sweet, especially with the uh, coconut milk. And now I had to drive to a couple different stores to find um, coconut milk. I know traditionalists are going to tell me the light coconut milk is uh, completely different from the, um, the regular coconut milk. It's got a different texture. It doesn't have that mouthfeel. It's not as fatty, and coconut milk is not bad for you, but we're talking the difference of a can of normal coconut milk is going to go just about 900 calories and this one is going to be about 350 calories so all those things add up and like I said I know this dish is going to be awesome in the end and I love it so when I try to uh, if I can make it a little bit healthier I will and I know I'm not going to lose out anything so we do the vegetables once the vegetables are sautéed, I take half of them out, put the fish in there, put the other vegetables on top, put the coconut milk in there, let it cook until the fish is just done, but not overcooked, nothing worse than overcooked um, uh, fish. And, oh, and a lot of people don't know this, if you overcook fish, it gets dry. Even if it's in a soup or a stew, it will get dry inside, and it's, it's horrible. So we're going to pay good respect to... Um, this beautiful fish that I caught. So this is uh, black sea bass and bluefish. So black sea bass, um, everybody loves it. It's a, it's a prized fish from here in New England. It's uh, white, flaky, wonderful. And I also am mixing in there because I have it fresh. I'm not going to freeze it because it won't be as good. It's some uh, bluefish. Many, many people despise bluefish for good and bad reasons. Um, I actually love it. 
So I'm looking forward to this. Guys, I hope you made your hungry. I'm here on my lunch break. I hope it's your lunch break. See you, folks. And check out the song, Mighty Sparrow Saltfish. Wonderful stuff. See you, guys. And we're back. And uh, that was Hugo. And you can find that recipe at fishnerds.com. Uh, that was a that was actually shared by a Facebook video, which is very hard to rip onto an MP3 to put on a podcast. But we did it because we're your professionals <laughs> in our big fancy studio. <laughs> we got soundproofing on the walls. I, we do have. You should put a picture of that on your webpage. <laughs> Well, yeah, we should. <laughs> but anyway, that was Hugo's. Um, and kind of some interesting news happening. Um, our podcast is supported by our listeners, by our fans. We love our fans. We totally do. And especially the ones who give us money. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're our favorite. <laughs> our favorite. Uh, and, and Hugo gives us money and a bunch of other fans give us money. And that money helps us uh, do things like get microphones that sound good. Soundproof the walls. Soundproof our walls. Uh, and eventually, it's going to pay to take Kristen out to dinner. Woo! Right. Your patronage is good for my marriage. So if you want to if you want to support my marriage, go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash fish nerds, and donate $1 per episode to support this podcast. Wait, hold on. $1 per episode, that would be less than a cup of coffee. Per week. Right. So your choice is save a starving kid in Africa or support the fish nerds. Sophie's choice, equally important. I think you could do both of those things for less than the cost of a cup of coffee yes, these days. It's actually very true, especially if you get a caramel macchiato grande latte. Sometimes I go and get a cup of coffee and like I'm out 10 bucks. I don't understand it. And just think that 10 bucks you could give to me. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my 10 bucks? I could make coffee at home, mm -hmm. save several starving kids in Africa, and still give you five bucks. And all I'm asking for is four, which is great. So, <laughs> so anyway, if you give us a dollar an episode, uh, that's $4 a month, that is not even noticeable to your bank account. You won't even care about it. But to me, if, the, if hundreds of people do it, that pays for the podcast. And all of our travel and expenses and things associated with it. And the thing is, people don't understand there are expenses associated with producing a podcast. So. Not, yeah, I mean, it's not even counting time. But, no. we, but it's computers. It's, uh, it's microphones. Web hosting. Web hosting, travel, communication stuff, promotions, um, and swag. And that's mm -hmm. what I want to talk about next. I love swag. I love swag and sweaty balls. <laughs> I was right? going to say, what does swag start like? Yeah, swag. Sweaty. So Monday, which is the day this, that's today, the day the show comes out, we're getting brand new swag in. What is the swag? We're getting Fish Nerds Hoorags. Hoorags. I partnered with Hoorags to get a limited edition Fish Nerds logo Hoorag. Now, in. what is a hoorag? A hoorag is a buff, but we can't use the word buff because buff is trademarked by the company named Buff. But it's a, it's, it's, it's like a neck gaiter, head warmer, scarf thing, right? So it's hoorag <laughs> is what it's called. Uh, and the only way to get those is to be a Patreon supporter. I'm not selling them at first on the website. Initially, the first people who get them are people who are supporting us on Patreon. At the $2 or more level. So you have to pay a little bit more. That's $8 a month. Still less than... You can cancel any time. You can get that hoorag in the mail and cancel if you want to. Don't! But you can. 
Um, and of course, any anything above the $2 per episode level, of course, you're going to get that plus other swag as well. In addition, if you own a business and want us to talk about your business on the show, you can go to patreon.com slash fishnerds, pay us $25 an episode, and we will talk about your business, just like our friend Josh Lopes did. You know Josh? I do know Josh. Josh Lopes owns LopesTax.com in Hanover, Massachusetts. I've heard he's the best accountant in Massachusetts. There's none better, right? He's he's a heck of a nice guy, total fish nerds, kids are fabulous, and he supports our show at the $25 level. And if you need a a tax guy or a money person, go to Josh, go to LopesTax.com. And uh, give him your business because he's supporting us. And so you're supporting him, supports us. Just let him know you're doing it. He's going to get a hoorag, which is good because he's bald. (laughs) Hoorags are guaranteed to cover your bald spot. (laughs) (laughs) When we're sending out the hoorags to Patreon supporters, we will put the ones for for bald people in the mail first. Yeah, make sure. Just let me know if you're bald. Click a little box off. I'm bald. And you'll get it first. Anyway, patreon.com forward slash fish nerds or go to fishnerds.com for the link and give us a freaking dollar that's it dollar an episode but two dollars get you the who rag news news fish in the news everybody loves their fish in the news how about some fish in the news i love fish in the news and what do you think of our new theme song it's really good yeah that's from the uh, diana's bath salts love those guys I heard they're starting to have shuttle service to their shows these days. From the parking lot at Diana's Bath? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So now while you take the shuttle to Diana's Bath hike, then you get on that bus and it takes you around to the large stadium where the bath salts are playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then there's no ride back to your car from there. Uh-huh. Like you just stay there. They have a really big stadium. <laughs> yeah. The official stadium of Diana's Bath Salts. I'm going to have to go to their next show. You must. It's a, it's a really a must do. Wow. Anyway, this um, this news is from palmbeachpost.com. All right. I want to read this headline. Uh, you, you can do this. Okay. Uh, I just want to just remind mm-hmm. listeners that um, the drunkest news always comes from Florida. That's just standard Florida news. Florida is a fantastic place. It's a lovely, lovely. It's, it's, it's Walmart with beaches. <laughs> and with that, the headline says woman drunkenly bites man's fishing line swims away with lure do you remember when we tried that no no okay (laughs) no i don't no i i must have been too drunk must have been we were on vacation in florida Uh uh-huh all right this is in saint augustine florida now you really don't have to read the story to get the gist of it the headline does all the work but uh, St. John's County deputies arrested a woman after she bit a man's fishing line. That's not trying to be like sexy or anything. That just means strength. So yeah, she yeah. actually bit the guy's fishing line. Right, and then she swam off with the lure, according to a police report. Can you imagine writing this report? <laughs> deputies were called to the St. John's County Pier in St. Augustine, Florida, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. A fisherman told deputies that 22-year-old Alexandria Turner appeared to be intoxicated when she swam up to his fishing line and cursed him out. By the way, you don't have to be drunk to curse someone out in front of the fishing line, but it does help. Uh, She bit the line and swam away with the rigging, according to the police report. When deputies asked Turner to come to the pier office where the fisherman had rented the pole, she became belligerent and refused to walk inside. 
deputies said Turner began creating a scene and upsetting the sense of public norm at the pier when they tried to take her into protective custody. She refused to let deputies handcuff her and screamed, I'm expletive naked several times, what the report said. What expletive do you think she used? Um, expletive. Uh, let's, look, this is like Mad Libs. <laughs> Give me an expletive that starts with an F. Are, are we allowed to say that on the podcast uh, world? We can mark our podcast explicit. Okay. But you are a kindergarten teacher. I am. I'm not sure I can say it. I can, but I'm not going to because I just, it's weird. Okay. Because um, yeah, I don't cuss in front of ladies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was, I'm effing naked several times. So I'm effing naked. I'm effing naked. I'm really trying to get a picture of the scene in my head. Uh, um, not the naked part, mm, but like the other part. That's weird because I am solely focused on the naked part. I, I saw her mugshot. Uh, I am not worried about what she looks like naked like well uh, deputies arrested turner on suspicion of disorderly intoxication and resisting arrest without violence um no more word on the lure or did the lure ever get returned to the fishermen there's so much here i'm wondering about like number one can you bite a fishing lure and like did she get the hook stuck in her mouth it sounds How how do you not do that uh well, I, I'm just trying to follow. So I, I, I don't know this fishing pier, right? So this guy's fishing on a pier. Yes. Now, you've been to these big fishing piers. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of imagining. Right. These fishing piers, usually, it's like a 15, 20-foot drop down to the water, Although right? part of me is thinking about the dock that we saw people fishing on when we were in Bermuda, which was not that big. Right. But that's not a fishing pier, right? Let's look it up. St. John's County Pier, right? All right. So we're going to Google this up. St. We're going to do uh, action news. Action research right here live. The Fish Nerds podcast. You can hear me typing. This is not a sound effect. And we're going to go to Google Images. And we're going to see images. what this pier looks like. As you can see, that wow. pier is just like we imagined. Yep. It looks like every other pier That's on the East Coast. They're really big. 15 or 20 feet off the water. They're really long. So according to this report, she swam. The, the, just imagine the guy on the pier with a rented fishing rod. Yep. Fishing in the water below. Yep. Wife, drunk, swims up. Wait, to is, his, is she his wife? Go back. Uh, good question. Uh, maybe Girlfriend? What was the headline? It was women drunkenly bites. Let's see. Just says man's fishing line. Mm. We don't even know if they know each other. Now that's even more interesting. Oh, so now I'm loving this. Wait, hold on. Maybe she's a fish feel person. Maybe she was protesting. It might have been a protest. So now I'm so happy because now I'm imagining if you fish in Florida off a pier, there's a chance that a naked protester is going to swim up and bite your line drunk and run away with your gear. I want to fish in Florida. Um, <clears throat> strangely, I do too. <laughs> I'm in. That sounds exciting. I'm in. Anyway, so that's uh, that's some really good news out of Florida. Thank you, Florida, for doing what you always do. Providing for, us with good news. Uh, entertainment always yeah. from Florida. Thank uh, you, we, Florida. We love you, Florida, and we will visit you someday. I'm going to send you a who rag. Uh, <laughs> you can put that on as a, as a close. <laughs> All right, how about some more news? And this is from fishnerds.com. This is some really big news. 
You want to read that headline? The Fish Nerds Podcast has been nominated. All right. The Fish Nerds Podcast is nominated for an annual podcast award. So this is a big deal. This is because fans went on to podcastawards.com and nominated the show. And we are in the sports and recreation category. Sports. Uh, We're the only actual not sports show in that category on the docket. There are 12 shows we're competing against. There's a panel of judges judging. There's nothing anyone can do listening-wise to help us win this at this point. Can we send the judges who rags? Yes, I don't know who they are though. I know one. I, I know the. I know one judge. That would probably be bribery. It would be. So we should totally do it. Mm. Yeah, I only know one judge, uh, and he's the one who runs the website, and that's it. But it's cool to be nominated. We're up with a bunch of other big podcasts, and the trophies look pretty snazzy. They're really cool looking. Yeah, yeah on the on the Fishners dot com website, you can see what one looked like from two thousand fourteen. They're glass, and Ooh. they're polished and shiny. Wow. Yeah, and I can upgrade. <laughs> I can win it and buy a better one. That's the email I got. And I have to record a um, an acceptance speech, even if I don't win. Wow. Because what they do is they compile... It's a podcast award. Yeah. So they they, com- they take all these speeches and they have an award ceremony. If we can't make it, they play the speech as if I was there. So huh. we all have to record that in advance, uh, which is very strange. But if I do it, I, I need to write a good one, uh, and I want to make sure I include um, crowds chanting and things. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. And some music. Totally need some music. So that's the uh, the Fish Nerds uh, Fish in the News. Congratulations. Thank you. We can After we win it, we can call ourselves the award-winning podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Now, how about some Trout No Doubt? Trout No Doubt. That's by Cake Heiser and his orchestra. I'm a fisherman who has got the knack But I gave it all up today Cause I felt so sad when I caught a shad Who had these words to say A trout, no doubt My papa was a trout, no doubt My papa was a trout, though he's stout For a trout, there's no doubt He's a whopper of a trout throughout A bass with class My mama was a bass with class My mama was a bass She'd surpass any bass with a class My mama was a classy bass Old Uncle Gus is an octopus He lives in a sunken schooner And Cousin Ish is a musical fish The local piano tuner a whale, all hail, my brother is a whale, all hail. My brother is a whale, though he's frail, drinks his ale from a pail. My brother is an ailing whale, and that's the end of this fishy tale. You know where all the fun is on Facebook these days? Where is all the fun on Facebook? Well, uh, the Fishy Feel page is awesome, right? Yep. But if you want one, the, the page that's second most fun would be the Fish Nerds podcast group. Mm-hmm. We've got 600 people on there now. It's fantastic. How is a group different than a page? Uh, page so just, just to be clear, Facebook, if you are using Facebook, you are not their customer. Hmm. You are their, their um, 
you are what they sell. You are their product. Oh. Right? So by when I'm using a Facebook page, I have 14,000 people who have said, I like the fish nerds. So now Facebook is trying to sell those 14,000 people to me. So when I post mm-hmm. on Fish Nerd's Facebook page, Facebook says, I'm only going to show seven people a posting. Out of 14,000? Yes. Whoa. And the, but if you pay me, you might be able to reach 600 of them. Hmm. See, they're holding our, our, our listeners, not hostage, but they're holding them as something to sell back to me. Well, they do need to make money. Yeah, look, Facebook, that it's... It, it, the fish nerds are here because of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Facebook. I would like to reach them, but I can't afford to pay Facebook, mm-hmm. right? Unless Patreon subscribers give us a whole bunch of money. But groups on Facebook are really popular right now because you interact as yourself. And so the Fish Nerds podcast group has 600 listeners in there, highly active, sharing fish stories, questions, answers. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. So if you're not already part of that group, get there now. Go to Go to Facebook and search... Fish Nerds podcast group, and I uh, will let you in. You have to get approved. Yeah, I have to inspect you and approve you to get in that group. So make sure you have a good profile picture. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If you are naked with a lure in your mouth, you are automatically <laughs> approved. Um, but if you're wearing pants, then it takes a bit longer for approval. Can we find the woman from that story and invite her to the group? I would ask, if anyone is in Florida, I think Paul Chomo in our group from the Varmints podcast is following along. Reach out to her. She's your neighbor. Get her in the group, and we can ask her. I have a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Maybe we can get on the show. That'd be great. <clears throat> be fabulous. I want to know why she did this. I, you know, it's funny. They didn't even dig. The, the, they didn't dig deep, and she's only suspected of being intoxicated. True. That's a very good point. So, what if what if something else? What else could it have been? I I have no idea. Maybe she was a mermaid. <laughs> Maybe she was a mermaid. I'm sure she was a mermaid. I'm sure of it. When mermaids go on land, they're naked. Um but no, they're not. They are. No, they've got seashells on their covering up their boobs. This is sort of a fatal flaw of the little mermaid mm-hmm. because the Little Mermaid has seashells on her boobs, mm-hmm. but she has a fish bottom, mm-hmm. and she goes on land, and mm-hmm. she is a person. What's down there? All of a sudden, she's naked. Mm. Watch the movie. I have to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Did her seashells on her top go away? She was hiding behind a rock, so I'm assuming they did. Well, maybe she's never nude. We never know. I don't know. You never know. Hey, speaking of never nudes, our friend up in Ontario, Canada, uh, I think Ontario, maybe it's in Toronto, but Andrew Lewin hosts a podcast called Speak Up for Blue, right? And one of the ways he helps the world is by, uh, first of all, never taking his pants off in public, which is helpful, but he also is an ocean conservationist. Far more impressive. I think it's helpful. You know, I do my part by wearing pants. He mm-hmm. does his part by talking about how we can help make the the oceans better. Mm. Yeah. I just think it's really cool. He's an ocean conservation scientist and he lives inland, like in the middle of Canada. Well, they've got really big lakes. And <laughs> yeah. Some of the lakes have tides. Some, yeah, do they? Don't those Great Lakes have waves? 
They have waves. I'm not sure. They might have tides. I, 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 don't, I don't really know. No, I don't know. Well, anyway, so uh, on his show this week, I was listening and, and he was talking about two protected rivers in Adelaide, Australia, right? Uh, Northern Australia. And there's this to- a shark there called the Speartooth Shark, which is critically endangered, and the Northern River Shark, which is endangered. And a new study came out that revealed a potential conservation issue in the river with the sharks and the interactions with recreational angler- anglers. And this got my attention. Andrew, being an ocean scientist, dissected this paper, uh, and he gave me uh, a little segment to play on our show to help um, fishermen understand the science of shark conservation. Uh, and so here he is. So uh, we're going to move on to uh, some shark science as I'm getting back into reading and reviewing some shark, uh, not just shark, but any kind of um, um, cons- marine science and conservation publications that have been in, in scientific publications. This publication was written by Peter Kine and Pierre Futri. I hope I pronounced that right. And it's in ecological management and restoration, linking science and practice. And I love these types. And it's, it's uh, I think it's part of the Endangered Society of Australia. I love sharing these types of, of scientific journals or journal articles because there's an impact. There's a conservation impact. And this, this title is Recreational Fishing Impacts on Threatened River Sharks, a Potential Conservation Issue. And one of the reasons why I love this, so this was shared in, a, in like I said before, Facebook group, the American Lasma Rank Society. But one of the things I like about this article is it talks about the, f- the recreational fishers, but it doesn't condemn them. It doesn't crucify them, right? It's just, it's seeing a potential problem and trying to w- sort of, and, and understands that this could be a conservation issue and that they're going to have to engage with the recreational fishing community in that area, in Adelaide, Northern, in Australia's Northern Territory, to improve that. So essentially, I'm going to read the summary because I think it's important to give you a whole, con- it's a good context and I'll go into a little more detail, but the Adelaide River in, North- in Australia's Northern Territory is a popular recreational fishing area, as well as a habitat for threatened and protected river sharks, the two, they're glyphus spe- species. Both the critically endangered spear-tooth shark and endangered northern river shark are identified here in illegal catches from recreational angling. The identification of the decayed shark specimen using a DNA barcoding-like approach is the first such application in the identification to the identification of protected sharks in a recreational fishery. While the extent of catches by recreational anglers is unknown, the threatened status of these sharks, their suspected low population sizes, restricted distributions, and importance of the Adelaide River as a nursery area call for the consideration of this as a potential conservation issue. As such, appropriate measures should be taken to reduce interactions with recreational anglers. The primary target species in the river is the iconic sportfish barramundi, which is, a predominantly, which is predominantly caught by unbaited lure. Sharks are rarely caught on lure, allowing an opportunity for mitigation to focus on a fishing activity, baited hooks, which would limit the, any regulatory impact on popular lure fishing. Potential mitigation measures range from an increased angler education and compliance checks to the implementation of a spatial closure to baited hook fishing and lure-only zone. Such measures may assist in meeting a stated objective of the Australian government's river shark recovery plan to reduce and, where possible, eliminate adverse impacts of recreational fishing. So I know it's a lot to, to take in. That's the abstract of the paper, but it gives a good summary of 
what the paper is about. Essentially, um, what happened here was during a, a, what the paper describes is during an actual TV spot, a new spot on the area, on the, the river that, that they're, that, that's in question here. And the river's name is Adelaide River. Well, that's in the, in the Litchfield National Park. So it's appropriately named because it's in Adelaide. <laughs> but uh, it's 238 kilometers in, uh, as a stretch. It flows 20, 238 kilometers to Van Diem Gulf in the Northern Territory's top end region. So this is up near Papua New Guinea area. So uh, as a neighboring country. So, th- so the idea is what happens on a new spot, uh, one of the, the researchers realized that when they were looking at, at a cro- there was a new spot on crocodiles. And when they were looking at one of the catches of the crocodiles, they saw that there, there was a, like I guess they fished a crocodile, and they, they saw that there was a shark that was fished as well. And they were wondering, is that a protected shark? And, are, and then that, that really brought up the question, are sharks being targeted as uh, in the recreational fishery or being caught incidentally as a, in the recreational fishery? And if they're protected or critically endangered like these are, I think they're, one is critically endangered, I read, Whereas in, in, uh, one's critically endangered and the other one's threatened, right? So they're protected under the Endangered Species Act, whatever that's called there in Australia. So, you know, it's, it, it kind of begs the question, like, what's happening here? Why are these sharks being caught? So there's three sharks that actually are in this. So you've got the spear tooth shark, you've got the river, protected river shark, and you've got the bull shark. And these are urethene, ure, oh, how do you pronounce it? Urethene? Urethene? Ure. Anyway, sharks that can be in, in rivers. There's a, there's a, urihaline, sorry. Wow, I should remember that. Urihaline sharks, and they occur in t- tidal reaches of the Adelaide River. Uh, so you got the Northern River Shark, the Spear Tooth Shark, and you've got, of course, the, um, the, 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 you also have the Bull Shark, which is not protected because there's a global distribution, according to this article. So, uh, so you know, the, what was interesting in this is, is the researchers went to the area after seeing that, that, that new spot on the area and seeing the shark, and they used a, a DNA process because the shark was so mangled, it was difficult to identify it, noticed that it was a, a, a protected shark. The idea here is like, okay, what's happening? How many sharks are being caught? There's not much information on the fishing, on, in the fishing, um, in the fishing in that area in terms of how many protected area, how many protected sharks are caught. Now, like I said before in the article, it says that area is is highly sought for for the recreational fishing of barramundi, which is a lure, a non-baited lure hook. Um, so, you know, by switching to a baited, by switching from by not allowing baited hooks you could probably decrease the amount of sharks that are caught. That's sort of the, that's sort of the thinking. So the big conservation issue is like, okay, how do, we, how do we do that, right? How do we maintain the recreational fishing? Because it wouldn't, ideally and theoretically, it wouldn't harm the, shark, the protected sharks because they, only, they mostly go after baited hooks and you'll reduce the amount of uh, incident catches. And how do you support a very important... Uh, recreational fishing activity which is you know it's it's it serves as like i think it's 51 million dollars a year in that area for uh, for a tourist spot so or for just for and i think 22 percent of that northern population is actually is is fishing that area recreational fishing so it's an important area and so we need to mitigate that and but it comes up with a lot of of conservation issues and uh here are some so here are the questions is 
What is the full extent of the rec recreational catch? Do these observations represent a common interaction between recreational anglers and protected sharks? So in other words, how many sharks are actually caught? And, you know, if, if, you know, we know what the recreational catch is, we know how many, how many fish are being caught, what types of species are being caught. Do those observations actually represent the interaction between recreational and protected sharks, recreational anglers and protected, protected sharks? So are they catching as many sharks as we actually think they are? You know, just from the, the amount of specimens that they actually found that were caught. And I, it wasn't many. So is it is it just like 1% of the population? Is it more? We, you know, what is the actual size of the population? All that kind of stuff. Um, does the retention, so uh, does retention, or which is mean you keep the fish, or catch and release constitute the bulk of interactions? If sharks are released, what is the survival rate? So just like hammerhead sharks get stressed when they're caught, and in Florida, where they're protected, Florida state waters, where they're protected, it's actually um, suggested that you actually just cut the line. Don't even take the hook out. Just cut the line and let the shark go and let the hook fall out because it's actually less stressful on the animal and it has a higher survival rate if you do that. Um, so that's another question is what's the survival rate if it's released? And importantly, is a recreational catch aiding a continuing population level decline? So if these are critically endangered and threatened species to, to the species, are they continuing to decline? If they are, is it because of the recreational fishers, fishing? These are important questions to ask. Now, this is a paper that I, the reason why I like this paper and the way it's laid out is because it's not condemning anybody. It's not saying that these, the fishing, the fishers in this, in this area are doing it on purpose. Um, they know what the, the major catch is and they see an opportunity, the, the authors see an opportunity to decrease the shark catches by using lures, unbaited lures, to catch barramundi and still maintain that popular that popular catch, right, that the recreational fishers want, without catching as many sharks. I'm not saying that an unbaited lure won't catch any sharks, but it won't catch as many as a baited lure. Then you have to look at what other fish are caught in this area that are important recreationally, and are they used being baiting hooks. So there's a bunch of mitigation suggestions that they catch there's a spatial one where it's spatial management in certain areas now these are nursery areas so these are areas where young sharks will hang out until they're old enough to move on so there could be seasonal closures in certain areas where they know uh, these sharks are actually actually occupy um, there could be uh, a ban an all right ban on baited hooks or just like i said a seasonal ban on baited hooks so there's and there's there's obviously quotas um there's obviously you know you have to report your catch there's a lot of different different options that you can look into this and i think that's what it that's what this paper raises is people are catching sharks there's no doubt about that we just don't know how many and we don't know if it's on purpose we don't know if they're releasing if they're releasing we don't know what the survival rate is so there's a lot of more information that needs to be done, but it does have some conservation implications. These are threatened and critically threatened species. They're critically endangered species. That means they're not doing well, people, especially the critically endangered ones. So there could be areas that are just off limits, either seasonally or full-time, all year long. And I think we need to look at those and how those are, how those are done. Um, so that's the paper. That's the paper. If you have any questions on those, please uh, go to the Facebook group. And let me know what you think. Uh, and if you have questions, concerns, comments, all that kind of stuff. We have some shark biologists in the group. 
Uh, David Schiffman is one of those notable ones. We also have a lot of people in the group that, um, like Ed Hine, that are social scientists who, uh, you know, uh, can comment on their experiences working in fishing industries and 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 uh, working with commercial fishermen. Uh, now we're also we also have a lot of recreational anglers in the in the group, and who are very uh, knowledgeable in terms of uh, laws, regulations, and just the overall sort of ethics of recreational fishing and communities. And they, they're on fishing job board, or not job boards, fishing boards and, and, and whatnot where they can, like online, where they see comments from other other anglers and whatnot. So we're going to get, I, I hope we get a lot of comments. I hope we get a lot of discussion off this. I think it's I think it's really important. Now, of course, this is in Australia. A lot of the people that are in the group or listening are in the U.S., but this this is not only, you know, this can be applied anywhere else where there's not a lot of information on, on fishing activities and where there's any kind of endangered species or critically endangered species. So um, it's important that we that we take these papers and, and apply them on an overall basis and, and, and theoretically and, and from an application standpoint. But I think it's it's really good this paper was written and, and it's, it's important that these papers are taken seriously. Um, so I want to share that with you. Crikey, so that's it. You have listened to a couple of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. We'd like to thank our family. Oh, that's me. (laughs) Clay would like to thank me for supporting him while he podcasts, goes on fishing quests, and all sorts of silly things that nerds do. If you'd like to support fish nerds, you can go to patreon.com. And search for the Fish Nerds and help us crowdfund this podcast. Special thanks to Kristen, Hugo, and Andrew Lewin. Put another shrimp on the Bobby <laughs> from Speak Up a Blue Podcast. <laughs> and until next time, follow the code of the Fish Nerds. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. Where's my beer? And swim against the current every chance you get. Nice job. talks about the implications to, <laughs> to the conservation of these species. And in a crikey. Crikey. And the mitigation techniques the authors propose to maintain the recreational fisheries for... Add in, add in a shrimp on the barbie. Barramundi. <laughs> Barramundi. On, on the barbie. <laughs> and reduce incidental catch with protected... River sharks. River sharks. River sharks. Sharks and rivers? Uh, Australia is a really freaking scary place. Wow. You never read about, like, sunshine and 